Hello and welcome to Front and Center, a show dedicated to insights and perspectives on commercial real estate investment across the public and private markets. For more information, please visit centersquare.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Front and Center. I'm Scott Crow, President and Chief Investment Strategist at Center Square Investment Management, and I'm joined by my colleague Uma Marathi, ESG Lead and Senior Investment Strategist. And today we have our special guest, Matt Goulding. Matt is the uh, portfolio manager and regional manager for our REIT business based in London, covering Europe. And Matt, why don't you give the audience just a little bit of an intro into who you are and what you do at Center Square? Great. Um, thanks, Scott. It's great to be on this uh, podcast. So yeah, I'm Matt Goulding, Portfolio and Regional Manager here in Europe. So I joined Center Square in 2009. So I've been here just, yeah, just under 14 uh, years now. I started off as um, an analyst covering uh, UK real estate stocks, uh, then moved on to looking at the Nordics. And I've headed up the team now, um, basically for over uh, five years. Great. We've been talking a lot about macro factors that have been driving markets and, and uh, you know, the real estate sector here in the US. But, you know, what's going on in Europe? Uh, what's going on with monetary policy and inflation in your neck of the woods? Sure. Yeah, I think this is a good place to start. I mean, clearly, there's been a huge amount of uh, volatility um, that has been driven by changes in interest rate expectations. Look, in general, um, rates are now close to the peak in Europe, or they may actually have uh, peaked. Um, but more important is the future trajectory. And, you know, if we have a higher for longer situation or interest rate cuts, if we start in the UK, we basically had our first hold after what was 14 consecutive interest rates uh, hikes. I think this was helped by inflation that came down faster than expected, but the last reported CPI was still 6.7%. Clearly, this has come down from double digits, but it, uh, it, it remains high. You know, we'd expect inflation to continue to trend down, primarily due to changes in energy prices. The UK has price caps um, that, again, fix the price of energy for three months, but those have been coming down. Uh, quite significantly uh, recently. It seems that the market is currently implying one more hike, and that seems most likely from our perspective um, as well. But here we do think that rates are likely to remain higher for longer as inflationary pressure remains. Look, in Europe, you had a 25 basis points um, interest rate uh, hike, but inflationary pressures on the whole are lower. There are a lot of divergent economies, some with very high debt to GDP. So I think further rate hikes here are less likely. We have a technical recession in Germany, uh, which means the kind of hawkish pressure that you would have otherwise have had from the ECB is going to be less. The market has been waiting, I think, for signs of when um, an interest rate cut could occur. And, uh, you know, we could get one towards the end of the year, but it's still not the end of this year, the end of next year, um, just to be clear there, but it still remains uncertain. You know, one of the reasons why there's been so little transactional market activity in Europe is because of this uncertainty in rates. But just to finish off, where we think the biggest concerns remain is in Sweden. This has got the highest inflation, a depreciating currency, an economy that's already in recession. And here we think that rates are going to remain higher for longer than the, the Eurozone and potentially the UK. Matt, you know, one of the unique attributes of 
the REIT space in Europe is really just the method that inflation is passed through in rents, whether it's from an indexation perspective or also just the regulatory caps that you see on rent increases in some sectors like residential. So how is that impacting your growth expectations across UK and Europe, just given a lot of what you mentioned is happening from an inflation perspective across the, the space? Sure. Yeah, Sumo, I think this is a really interesting topic for discussion. You know, broadly speaking, in Europe, outside of the UK, you're able to pass through um, indexation to tenants on a yearly basis. In the UK, outside of some non-discretionary retail leases, rents are market-based. So in Europe, we've had the situation where a lot of the rent growth has offset a lot of the negatives of higher interest rate costs. Now, the only major exception to this has been in German residential, where rents are capped significantly below inflation. I think the risk here, though, has been um, more about capital value declines, given that the companies have low fixed interest uh, costs and long dated debt maturities. And in Europe, inflation is clearly going to come down. So indexation as a whole is going to be lower. But, you know, there may come a time when there is a risk that even lower indexation isn't going to be able to pass uh, to be passed on uh, due to market rents being significantly lower than index rents. And I think that retail and office uh, remain most at risk um, here. And just from a regional perspective, everything is most acute in the Nordics. We've got high leverage, short dated debt maturities, significantly higher financing costs, and this has led to big declines in earnings uh, growth, despite almost double-digit indexation pass-throughs. We could probably see some more equity issuance here that's going to be diluted again for earnings. You know, in the UK, though, we've, we're still getting decent rental growth in a lot of sectors, such as industrial, student accommodation, and residential, where rents aren't capped. So if you combine this with generally much lower leverage, I think we're more optimistic about growth prospects as there's less over-renting in the um, region. Now, clearly in some sectors such as retail, we've already seen a significant reduction in peak-to-trough rents as well. They're probably down at least 30%. So again, um, the impact from inflation is less likely to be felt. So Matt, we've been monitoring the changes in real estate valuation versus public and private markets here in the US. And we've discussed that on a number of the uh, episodes here. Uh, with U.S. REITs now pricing in about a 25% decline in commercial real estate values, implied cap rates well north of 6%. What's happening in Europe from a valuation standpoint, given all this? Yeah, so yeah, we too have been comparing the differences between public and private markets. Again, I think there's a clear difference between the U.K. and Europe here. So UK valuers have always historically, and it remains the case, that they are quicker to reflect market pricing, even without transactional evidence. And, you know, they've clearly been paying attention to rising interest rates. We saw this most acutely in industrial assets where private market values have dropped over, you know, they dropped over 20% basically from the peak, which was around June last year in just a few months. They're currently down around 20% year on year, but values have now stabilized. We see office values continuing to decline the most uh, for now. But in the UK as a whole, cap rates used by valuers vary, but they're closer to around a five cap versus an implied cap rate of over 6%. 
So, you know, equity markets are still more negative than the likely outcome. And this is also reflected in NAV discounts that are around 30%. And LTV in the UK is more manageable. That's a bit over 30%, despite those quite sizable value declines that I've already mentioned. Now, when you compare this to Europe, we've seen very uh, few transactions and we've had an extend and pretend uh, situation for the valuers who have not been reflecting market you know, perspectives. And that's why we have a huge uh, bid-ask spread and, and no transactions. Um, but outside of retail, which even then has only seen value declines around the, the teens or so, um, you know, the valuation cap rates, they're, they're basically not um, reflecting the reality. So if we look across Europe as a whole, you know, we have an ECB interest rate that's 4%. That's that's around the valuation cap rates um, for European real estate. You know, implied cap rates here are around 5.5% for the region as a whole. You've got much higher leverage, though. It averages in the mid-40s. Some companies have significantly higher um, than that. And if you take um, average net debt to EBITDA, um, that's up to 12.5 times, which is even um, worse. Now, NAVs might be standing at a 40% uh, discount, but this is hiding a much lower discount to uh, GAV. So there's much of a, less of a difference in public market expectations versus uh, the private market than the UK. You know, so we, we're expecting further declines in European uh, real estate values, and we still think there's more um, pain to come in Europe, certainly than um, the UK. Matt, maybe shifting gears here a little bit to touch on some of the thematics that you're watching across Europe and UK right now. One of the big things that we're focused on here in the US is the impact of the aging population on healthcare and senior housing specifically. Is that something that you're seeing across Europe as well? Yes, absolutely, Uma. I mean, you know, we've got a significantly aging population in Europe. It's certainly driving demand for senior housing. And as we've already discussed outside the UK, you can pass on indexation. And this thematic is the same in the healthcare sector. Look, there have been some challenges from an operating level in Europe. Revenues have lagged costs. It's been particularly acute um, with regards to paying staff wages. They make up around 40% of the total operating expenses. And that compares to rents that are around 10%. The advantage in Europe, you know, as we said, and uh, it is specifically the case in healthcare, the government-backed income means that you know, you're generally getting higher uh, funding rates for these operators um, that are in line with inflation, but with a lag. So the other thing to point out in healthcare is that you know, we only saw modest yield compression in the sector. So there have been some minor outward shifts in yields, but there's less likelihood for further yield um, expansion. This is a sector that's also significantly underperformed. So I think it looks attractive now, both in the near and long term, given the continuing demographic shifts you'd see. So Matt, maybe quickly before we let you go, look, the office uh, market has been a, a big focus of attention here in the US. And even though it's not that much of the US REIT market, you know, I know it's a bigger part of the European REIT market. Uh, and there's also a lot of regional differences between how office is being used and, and the sectors is, is behaving and, and what's unfolding. So what's happening just really quickly for you in terms of European office and UK office? Absolutely. 
I think, you know, firstly, the expectation that things will return to normal after the pandemic with regards to working from home isn't really the case. If we start with uh, the London office market, that's got the lowest utilization rate out of all the major markets in Europe, only averaging around 60% overall. Space requirements are shrinking, and we even had the situation that Facebook paid £149 million pounds equivalent to seven years uh, rent to break uh, their grade A lease and exit their premises. Demand only exists for grade A um, space, but clearly there's still issues there and overall vacancy rates have been rising. The West End in London remains the strongest market. Uh, prime grade A vacancy here is only a few percent. Overall market vacancy is around 7%. Rents are flatlining here for even prime space, and they could actually start declining. If we move to the continent, Paris has got a higher utilization rate than London. Most people here are still tending to work from home one to two days a week. Demand for grade A space remains very robust, but you do have a significant divergence uh, between prime and secondary. Location still counts for everything here. There's next to no vacancy in prime CBD assets and around 7% overall. Rents are indexed, as I discussed before, but pressure is mounting on the secondary side. And then finally, if we move to Spain, there's been a lot lower impact from working from home. People tend to work a maximum of one day a week uh, from home. Given commuting times are much more reasonable, there's less of an incentive to stay uh, home here too. Again, demand for grade A space is the strongest, but it seems that, for example, in Madrid, you know, good quality space in a secondary location can be let up. The vacancy here is higher than um, in Paris, at around 12%. You know, finally, I guess the main point I'd like to highlight is the, you know, the biggest concern we have in office is low yields. So look, leverage on the continent isn't as high as some sectors and debt profiles are less risky. But you know, when you have super prime CBD grade A office assets valued at three caps, uh, we think that the risk remains there for further value decline. Well, Matt, thanks for joining us today to talk about European real estate. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we look forward to being back soon with another episode of Front and Center. Thanks for listening to Front and Center. You can subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and please be sure to leave us a review. To stay up to date, you can visit our website at centersquare.com to access our thought leadership, sign up for our mailing list, or contact our team. We look forward to hearing from you. The content of this podcast is informational only and represents the viewpoints of the presenters at the time of recording. It should not be regarded as a solicitation nor investment advice. All information presented is subject to change at any time based on new data, analysis, or market conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.